everybody. So this is going to be really fun. We are here in honor of Halloween. We're going to be talking about the uh, Disney, I guess, film. I don't want to say Disney classic. It's not quite on there, but the Disney film from 1980, The Watcher in the Woods. And we're going to be comparing it to the recent TV movie version uh, that just came out last week. Uh, and we're, so we're going to be comparing the two, talking about both of them and how they stand up. And uh, my friend AJ is here with me to do, to do this. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hey, and uh, so this will be a lot of fun. Is this is this original? Is it one that you grew up with or just watched more recently? It's actually one I just found about found out about about a couple of years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was writing for a website I actually don't write for anymore, but it was about about underrated Disney movies, and I was going to write about something wicked this way comes Disney's other horror movie. And yeah, I, I love that movie. I think that one is much better than this one, but, uh, but yeah. They're both yes, a, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was researching for that movie, I found out about this Watcher in the Woods, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and then I went to go look that up, and I found out it has a long, fascinating backstory about the making of the film and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And it kind of became my mission to see it after <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, about the backstory, uh, that how it kind of came, because it does seem like a really odd fit for Disney, but you kind of have to understand sort of the the 80, late 70s, 80s, kind of where Disney was at, and some of the risks they were taking at that time. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, this was during the time like when Ron Miller was CEO of Walt Disney Pictures, and a lot of Disney fans who are like animation fans kind of criticize Ron Miller for not really handling animation all that well. And we can be honest and say that he really didn't. <laughs> but but he wasn't really trained in animation. Walt kind of trained him to be more of a live action movie producer. And so that's where a lot of his attention was focused. And you can really see that during this whole period like we were talking about. And right. And I was actually just watching an interview with Ron Miller earlier today, kind of as a preface to all the Watcher in the Woods stuff from 1978. And somebody asked, so would Disney ever consider making something that was a little bit more intense, something like Jaws or something like that? And Ron Miller said, oh, I would have loved to have made Jaws, but we can't do it. We have an image to maintain, basically. And... But he always wanted to do something like that. He always wanted to take risks in live action. And then somebody brought him the book, The Watcher in the Woods, and said, hey, this could be what you're looking for. This could be our exorcist, <laughs> you know. And Ron Miller read it, and he loved, and he liked the book a lot. And so they put it in production and hired John Huff to direct it who had directed a, like a really famous horror movie in 1973, The Legend of Hell House. Mm, never heard of that. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's really good. And then, of course, he also directed Escape to Witch Mountain. And so... Yeah, because right around this time, they had a number of sort of darker-themed uh, films. You had The, uh, the Black Hole. You had... Uh, a return to Oz, which I think was a little bit later, but you had um, uh, Watcher in the Woods, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh, so it was this interesting sort of experiment. You could even say The Black Cauldron in a way uh, in, uh, I guess, 85, I want to say. But uh, uh, that you know, it was this interesting sort of period where they were kind of 
experimenting with these sort of darker themes and sort of horror elements and, and stuff like that. And so this is one that I, I think you could confidently say this is maybe one of the more cult classic of the Disney live action films. Uh, and uh, it's one of those films that, uh, that I think a lot of people, it's probably one of their first introductions to horror movies. And I, I mean, I'm no like expert on the genre, but I do think it's, it's good to have, these films that you can, that aren't too, you know, graphic or gory or whatever, and that you can uh, introduce your kids, whether it's the original Universal Monster movies or, you know, whatever it might be, something that's, that's tame enough, but they can get a feel for this is how this genre kind of works. And here's how some tropes are for this genre. And here's the way the music is for this genre and whatever, and kind of give them a feel for it without scaring them too much. And uh, so, you know, this is, uh, this is one. I have reviewed this on my channel, if people are curious. Uh, I'm just ending tomorrow. Tomorrow will be my last of my Disney Scares month, and I've done it two years in a row. So I, I did Watcher in the Woods last year. And so I'll put a link down in the description section if people want to check out that review. And I also reviewed the new version over on my blog. So I'll also put a link uh, on that. But yeah, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting experimental period. Uh, and I, I do think that Walt would have loved that because he was all about experimenting and, and moving forward and trying new things. And definitely. This is actually one of, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite period of Disney live action because the movie's qualities are kind of hit and miss just right. overall. But I just love that idea of just trying new things, you know? And yeah. yeah, definitely. So, okay, well, uh, so it finally got released. It, it did have a pretty long production timetable, I think. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty simple premise, like setup, let's say, uh, that you have with uh, these Americans are in England, and you have uh, a couple with their two daughters, Jan and Ellie, and they are moving into this house that has this uh, woman who is the owner of the house and that lives in the guest house now, uh, named Mrs. Owlwood, uh, and and there is uh, these sort of spooky woods next door to the house and they and they start to kind of call out to 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 them and it, there's just this spooky ambiance around the 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 woods in particular but the whole house in general is is kind of like a haunted house type environment and uh so uh, what i think they do really good in this version is uh that creating a sense of atmosphere and tension uh, that, that's really well done. I think the cinematography, and I think what they do, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about the next one, but I think that they create, a, they make interesting choices that make you think throughout the movie uh, that, uh, that's not obvious. Like, uh, it, for instance, the, the, when she looks, when Jan, the oldest girl, when she looks into the, to the mirror and, and out the window, all of a sudden the, the mirror will crack and you'll get a triangle. And uh, in the new version, we'll talk about it more, but in the new version, it's a cross, which I think is less interesting. Like a triangle, what does a triangle mean? Uh, you know, a triangle, what, 
what? You know, that's kind of confusing. It's kind of puzzling. And so it leads you to kind of, it kind of draws you in, I think, as opposed to a cross. Everyone knows what a cross means and it's less, just less interesting. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I agree with what you're saying about the atmosphere too, because that's one thing I noticed. And like I said, like we said, we'll talk about that more when we compare the two. Yeah. Just how each of them handle it. But I just kind of like the whole look of the older film overall, you know, yeah. the original. Just, it just felt more like a, like a movie, I guess. And I'll explain more about what that means <laughs> when we talk about the remake too. <laughs> yeah, just the, had more... the cinematography is strong and it just draws you in. Yeah. And just like the production value, like the house looks more like a haunted house that you would see. Yeah. Movie. And I love the way the forest looks, how the trees, like all the trees are all gnarled and weird looking, kind of like that tree in Poltergeist almost. Yeah. No, and there's like one of those in the remake, but it's not really like a, like a, like a feeling that like pervades the whole movie the way it does in the original. Mm-hmm. Well, and they do these long like tracking shots in the, in the, in this film, but it kind of, it just sort of draws you in. You almost feel like you are sort of a ghost going through the house or going, going along the driveway. And uh, so I think that's the biggest strength of this movie is the atmosphere, cinematography, production design, like you're saying. Uh, and I think that the other biggest strength is Betty Davis in here. She's so good. Uh, she's probably better than this movie deserves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is all uh you know, just her eyes alone are just there's something creepy about her, there's something weird about her, you don't trust her, you don't know uh what's going on. And uh I don't know, what did you think of her in this? I I thought she was really good. Like the acting in the original film overall is probably the film's biggest problem. Yeah. It's probably why it's not a classic today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but she yeah. is probably the best. She probably gives the best performance in the movie. Definitely. Like you said, because there's so much of a mystery about her. It's like, she's not some kind, she's not the kindly old grandmother that you see in so many other <laughs> movies, you know, it's like throughout the whole movie, you kind of wondered, so whose side is she on? You know, is she, mm-hmm. it's like, who is she trying to help here? You know, is she helping the watcher or is she helping the kids or is she just in it or is she just playing both sides for her own game? You yeah. Is she the murderer? Did she kill her daughter? Like there's, there's a feeling of like, you, you know, you don't know how to feel about her. Yeah. Is she going to kill Jan? Like what's going to happen? And so, yeah, I think those are the two biggest strengths of the film. So basically we should say that there are definitely going to be spoilers in here. <laughs> Forget to say that sometimes. And it starts out, again, making you ask questions, which I think is a strength uh, of like little things, like the fact that Ellie gets a uh, dog and she names it Narek, which is like a very weird name. And, and then she starts spelling it out, uh, like on the window and on different things. And Narek is an anagram for uh, Karen. And she does it uh, just at all these sort of strange times. And so like, why is she doing it? Because Karen is the name of the Mrs. Alwood's, uh, Alwood's um, daughter that's gone missing. And um, so that's, that's like, you know, especially I think naming the dog is especially creepy. And you're like, 
why is why is she doing this? You know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. When I saw that whole window thing, because she writes the name Karen in the window, but it's backwards. That's where they get Narek yeah. from. And the whole time I was watching that, I was thinking, the movie The Shining hadn't been released yet, but somebody has definitely read the book who wrote this script, because that whole time I was thinking of Red Rum, you know, and murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. That seems a little bit too much like The Shining to be a coincidence. Yeah, I guess I can see that, yeah. It's like, but it's like that whole thing, this is a whole plot device throughout the whole movie, that there's that whole thing where the watcher is using Ellie through the whole movie, and that always gives me the chills, like whenever a little kid is like directly involved, (laughs) you know. Yeah, and especially like, because when she names the, the, puppy Narek they don't really they haven't even started their investigation they haven't really gotten any information they don't even know and so it's it like feels especially sort of like why did you pick that name and uh and uh so I don't know it's it's I think very effective and then when she wakes up at night you know night in the night screaming about Narek and and uh uh and you know it just adds to sort of the the effectiveness of it all because you'd seen these sort of weird things you didn't understand before and it just kind of builds. And so she starts, Jan start, Jan and her uh, boyfriend, I guess, uh, named Mike, um, uh, that uh, they start uh, researching all of this and uh, there's all these, you know, scary things happening and, and she talks to different characters in the town and there's this, um, uh, there's this hermit guy named Tom Cooley who, uh, who was there at the disappearance. And, and, uh, basically what it comes down to is there's this chapel in the woods and, uh, it turns out that Karen and her friends were dabbling in some not so good stuff <laughs> with the occult and everything. And, uh, they were having this, this seance, and it was on the night of a lunar eclipse. And basically there's like this, the watcher is basically kind of like an alien who like takes uh, during this moment of uh, this lunar eclipse, they, he basically takes over Karen and uh, she's in this sort of like in between space of life. And I don't know how to explain it. How do you explain that? <laughs> it's like, Almost like she's in a, another dimension. Yeah. Almost. Like, I guess that's the way I would describe it. Because she's definitely not dead. <laughs> she's not on another planet, I don't think. But <laughs> I could be wrong about that, you know. Yeah. I think it's like an interdimensional thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like a, uh, I don't know, like a time warp, I guess you might call it that. Yeah. And, uh, and there's this like circle of friendship. And so there's something really like kind of creepy about, uh, the, this, uh, this seance and this, uh, you know, what I like, uh, we'll talk about a comparison to the new one. What I like is that like, it's not just a monster movie about an alien. It's actually about these people that like made a choice to participate in this ceremony. And then like it got it became creepy and it became, you know, and they ended up having this happen. So that makes it more interesting, I think, than somebody who just like attacked uh, rather than, you know, this was their choice to participate to me. Yeah. 
I don't know. What, what, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Or what do you think about that? Do you think it's it's a little too silly, or do, do you like that idea of the seance and the clips and all that? I don't think it's silly. I kind of like that you literally don't know what the watcher is until the very, very end. Yeah. Like literally, they don't explain it until then, and it's it's kind of what something that's neat about the whole movie overall. They don't really force feed a lot of stuff to you. They let you work things out for yourself. Like if you're paying attention, you can figure out what's happening before before the characters do. Mm-hmm. You know, just from things that people say and stuff. But yeah. yeah, I think I think it's unique. Like like you said, I think it's not like a typical alien monster movie because they don't really exploit the alien part of it. Right. Like you don't really see well in the in the finished version because there are two other alternate endings. In the official theatrical ending, you never even see the Watcher, really. You hear it talk through Ellie, but that's all you, that's all, that's the only time the Watcher actually talks, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, as a, of course, there's also the alternate endings, which I'm sure we'll get to <laughs> eventually, but, or at some point, but, yeah, I don't think it's like a cheap, like, monster movie move. Because, yeah. like I said, they don't really exploit it. Yeah. yeah, and and they also aren't too heavy-handed in, like, the religious symbolism or, uh, you know, obviously there's a certain degree of it in that this is in the chapel and they're, you know, they're dealing with uh, seance and evil spirits and stuff like that, but it's not too heavy-handed. Like, it's still, I think, family-appropriate, basically, for this film. And yeah. it, it's definitely scary, but I don't think it crosses any for me, it doesn't cross any, uh, any rules in that, in that regard. I think it's interesting the choice to make it an alien instead of like a ghost, especially considering, considering how they were doing a seance of all things when the mm-hmm. alien shows up. It's like, hmm, that's kind of the opposite of what I would expect to come out of a seance, you know? Yeah. But I guess it's part of it being family appropriate, not getting too much into like the occult and stuff like that. Right. But yeah. And I think it works. It's just a little different. It's a little, like I said, I, I feel like this movie makes interesting choices and, you know, it does things in sort of interesting ways that you don't see all the time. Like again, to use the, the mirror example, I don't always see like triangles randomly appearing or like, there's like this strange blue light that draws her into the, you know, that the watcher uses to draw Jan in and, and, uh, you know, and she almost drowns. And that scene I think is really effective and really scary. And you don't know, like, is Mrs. Alwood, is she drowning her? Like, is she making it worse or is she helping her or, you know, what's going on? Uh, but I don't know. I just feel like it, 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 I'm, I'm no, I am no horror expert, but I do feel like this makes interesting choices uh, and um, is, is pretty well made for what it is. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> now let's talk about some of those downsides and you already mentioned it. So the acting is, th- is the biggest problem in this movie, uh, particularly Jan uh, at, and uh, it's Lynn Holly Johnson. This is not good. No. <laughs> it's not <I> good. <laughs> I guess she has an excuse because she wasn't really an actress. That wasn't what she was famous for. She was like a a famous figure skater. Oh, okay. And her her big movie before this had been Ice Castles, where she played a blind figure skater. 
And so, oh, okay. <laughs> and so they figured, oh, she's popular. Let's put her in here. And it did not work out in this no. particular case. Her no. line readings are just so weird, like the way she says <laughs> certain things. Yeah, it's really pretty bad. And uh, and then uh, they have Kyle Richards from, we now know her from, uh, or people, some people know her from The Real Housewives. She's on one of those shows uh, as an adult. But anyways, a little Ellie, she's she's not the greatest child actor I've ever seen. Uh, she's not as bad as Jan, but uh, not great. No, she's not. Like you said, she's not bad, but she's not good either. She's just kind of there to, to deliver her lines. She doesn't really put any emotion to hardly anything. Yeah. Whereas Lynn Holly Johnson sees a bit too much emotion <laughs> to everything. Like she's yeah, either and, super happy or she's like screaming. <laughs> yeah. And and she's uh just flat. Just it just comes off as very, very flat. Like she's reading a cue card is how it yeah. feels. And <laughs> she might have been, I don't know, some of the times. I mean, pretty much all the performances are that way. It's very flat, very except for Betty Davis. She's the only one. That's why I'm saying she's too good for this <laughs> Which is, but it's sad because the two actors who play the parents their parents are actually good actors if you see them in other stuff david mm -hmm. mccallum who's most famous i think for being on the man from uncle tv show mm. he was one of the secret agents on there and okay then carol and then carol baker who was like the grandma of the little kid on kindergarten cop the one with the gun at the end <laughs> so i know her best from <laughs> But they're actually really good when you see them and other stuff, but this movie doesn't give them anything to do. Like, David no. McCallum is literally, like, in three scenes, I think. And then, yeah. Yeah, their job is to just be like, Jan, why are you causing all this trouble? You know, kind of thing. Like, why are we'll you breaking this mirror? <laughs> I'm sure we'll get more into that in the remake, because it's even more pronounced there. Jan, why are you doing this? <laughs> They said that about 50,000 times over yeah. the course of the remake. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. What, like, what score between 1 to 10 would you give the original Watcher in the Woods? What do you think is fair? Um, maybe, hmm. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess maybe a 5. That sounds kind of harsh. <laughs> maybe a 5.5, uh -huh. maybe. Because the story overall is a solid story. Yeah. The and, acting is rough. It's really hard to get past. And, and it is. And the production value is good, even if it is a little bit dated. You can tell it was, it was a movie that was made in the late 70s, even mm -hmm. though it was released, released in 1980. You can tell. Yeah. But still, the acting, like you said, is really hard to get around. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably give it a six. I, I, I think it's, it's watchable and you can have a good time watching it, but anybody, I, I really think anybody who pretends this is some kind of masterpiece needs to check their nostalgia glasses because really <laughs> it's not. And, and that's why I was actually really excited for the remake because even though it's made for TV, I, I think those are becoming better. And, and uh, I, I thought that this is the kind of movie you should remake one that has potential, but uh, is, it's very flawed, you know, that's perfect movie to remake. And so let's talk about that for a little bit. We have this new remake uh, that came, it's actually directed by Melissa Joan Hart, 
uh, from uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch fame. And that's one to me as Clarissa from Clarissa yeah. explains it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, I, I, I thought this was, it has problems and we'll talk about it. And I, I feel like they made it kind of generic, but I think she did a pretty good job. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's awful. I think that in some ways it definitely improved upon the original. We'll talk about that. And uh, I thought it was, okay <laughs> Guess yeah <laughs> yeah i would agree with that like it's not a badly made movie you know she's yeah. not the most stylish filmmaker in the world <laughs> melissa joan hart yeah and you can tell they you can kind of tell they had a tv budget right just from some of the choices they made but it's not bad looking and i yeah. think it's yeah they, they didn't have some of that interesting cinematography that the original had or uh but the uh it was it was fine <laughs> as far as the production values and the the house they got was really good and uh, the woods looked good they did a good job uh, i think creating some of the atmosphere it isn't quite i think it's not quite as effective as the original as far as atmosphere but uh yeah it's really interesting so in this version you have i think the biggest strength is the cast is i think uniformly better than the 1980 yeah. version. I'm not saying they're like the greatest actors in the world, <laughs> but I think pretty much every single one uh, is better. I think that An An Angelica Houston is probably as close as you could get to Betty Davis now. Uh, and so she she's good. I have a feeling though with Angelica Houston, they only had her for a couple days because <laughs> she's, she's not in the movie very much. And it's only in particular scenes uh, and uh, so I, I just have a, a I'm just guessing <laughs> that they only got yeah. her for a very limited time period uh, because she's only on like particular sets, <laughs> particular parts, and uh, she's not in it that much. But I don't know. And when do you think about the casting? I think it's mix? good overall. Like I think it's better than yeah. the than the original. Like you said, I think my main problems with the acting. Actually, I'm not going to say it's a problem with the acting because I think there's some like really weird quirks that the script has. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of <laughs> made the acting seem like it wasn't too good, but I don't think it was the actor's fault. I think it was just the lines they were giving <laughs> were kind of weird sometimes. But yeah. um, I still think Angelica Houston is probably the best actress actor in the movie. Agreed. You know, the same, carrying on the tradition from the original. <laughs> Have the Hollywood veteran be the best in the movie. Yeah. But, but I, I thought like they, that oh, Tula Evans was a, a big step up for Jan. I mean, she's yeah. much better. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> she actually talks like a human being, actually yeah. talks. <laughs> so on. And she she looks so much like Britt Robertson, I you know from from Tomorrowland. Yeah, I thought she looked so much like her. She could have been her doppelganger, but uh, uh, but I thought she was much better. And I also thought that the girl, her name's Dixie Egerix, was much better as Ellie. Uh, that the and and I thought that the guy uh, they named him Mark for some reason. I don't know why you would change Mike to Mark, but they did. And uh, I. I thought he was much better. Like, I just, I really thought that pretty much, except for, I think that Betty Davis and Angel Kistner are, are the same, about the same. 
level uh, of acting, but the rest of them, I pretty much thought were all better. <laughs> yeah. I really did. And so that's the biggest strength I think this has over the original film. And, but let's talk about some of the changes. I, I, I feel like what hurt this movie to me is that I feel like they took what were interesting choices in the original film, like I mentioned about the cross, and, and did a more generic choice. And I feel like there was no reason. I don't see why this particular thing was more, I just don't understand why they did what they did because it doesn't seem like it was a cost-saving measure or more modern or I don't understand. Uh, like, as I was saying about the cross, so the reason why they have a cross instead of a triangle is because they changed the narrative so that instead of it being this alien, the watcher isn't an alien, instead, he is this uh, like priest that uh, was treating, or doctor, actually it's a doctor, anyway, that's treating these people for the plague. And uh, he goes over to this other town and he gets the plague and then the people in the town kill him and he never has his like, because they don't want to get the plague. So they're like scared. And so he never gets his like last rights or his like due respect or whatever. And so he's in this, this sort of limbo with the plague. And, and so it's basically like what they do is instead of it being this sort of weird, interesting, you know, with the seance and the eclipse and these, these teenagers choosing to participate in the ceremony and all this stuff you have in the original, it's basically just a monster movie here. You have this, this creature, this watcher in the woods that's like preying on, on young women. And uh, he's just upset because they didn't do his funeral. They didn't do his whatever. And I, I just don't understand why you would make that choice. Like, I, I don't get it. Yeah, it is weird. It's like, like I was actually, like, cause there's a couple of panels with like the, like Melissa Joan Hart and some of the crew on there. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm there on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean by there. <laughs> and, um, and Melissa Joan Hart was talking about how she felt like some of the story elements in the original were confusing. As she talked about, like, she thought that the end was really confusing. And I was like, I don't really understand what you mean. Because I feel like the new plotline is a little bit more confusing than the original. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and there is some ambivalence in the original as far as what is, what alien is this and where has Karen actually been and, and stuff like that. But I like that. That makes it interesting. That makes you think about it. That makes you, you know, like a monster movie just, it, you don't have to think about it. There's no like question you know like you watch a Godzilla movie it's not like you're thinking about like these deeper themes or uh, you know it's just a monster movie and that can be fun and I did have some degree of fun with this but I I don't know I just I just feel like they I guess they they didn't like that ambivalence uh, is from what you're saying yeah it was like yeah that's basically what they said and I think they thought I think they mostly thought of the that adding the sci-fi element was really weird you know, I don't think they liked that mash of like horror and science fiction, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's why they decided to make it just a straight ghost story. Well, I kind of wondered if they were trying to kind of make it a little bit of a Stranger Things vibe, which I hope everybody's having fun watching. Season two just aired, started this weekend. But they have this this whole section where... Uh, there's this there's this tree that takes you to this other world where the watcher is 
and where Karen is, where Karen has been hanging out. And, and I, I, that's very similar to like the other world and stranger things and stuff. And it's like, I don't think that anybody was really like, what world, what does it look like where Karen's at? You know, like you just had the blue light. That was enough. You know, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that they were maybe trying to kind of explain things a little bit too much. And you did get these scenes with these exposition dumps and you have them in the original, but they have more here. Cause yeah, I guess they really didn't like that ambivalence. Uh, yeah. that's sort of the sci-fi, which I like. I, I, I thought that was, I thought that was fun. That made it, I like a movie that you can like talk about and be like, Oh, what were they trying to say there? And to me that elevated what was a flawed film in the original that, that it made these interesting choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like... And uh, so I don't know, that's very interesting. Uh, and I don't know. I just felt like, boy, I've, I've just seen this kind of movie and it's not like I've seen that many horror movies, but I, I've seen this kind of movie many times. And, and even with things like the Narek elements in the, uh, in the movie. So they, instead of it being just this weird random thing that, uh, that Ellie names the dog Narek, uh, because they haven't started investigating, they haven't started asking questions. Uh, in here, they, she doesn't even name the dog Narek. And, she just randomly while while Jan is asking questions and knows all of this stuff, she writes the name on the window and it's just not as like, it's not, it doesn't draw you in. The mystery doesn't draw you in as much because we already know that we already know what that means because we've already heard all of this exposition about Karen and you know who Karen was and blah, blah, blah. And so like her doing, it's just not as weird. It's not as creepy. It doesn't sort of, draw you in as much as they do in the uh, original film. And uh, I think that they do the, 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 the actual Narek like screaming in the middle of the night scene pretty well, but I don't know. I just feel like it was a missed opportunity to kind of add more mystery. Yeah, definitely. It's like, I don't know. And it doesn't even, I don't know. What am I trying to say? I guess the thing that makes it interesting about the movie is that, you don't really know what's happening. You're pretty much, I don't want to say you're in the dark totally for most of the original movie, but they don't explain things to you very much over the course of the movie. They kind of leave it to you to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and that makes it good. Yeah, and it's like, it's, it's also like, like many people who make horror films say that like what you don't see is always more more scary or more interesting than anything that a filmmaker could possibly make with like financial limitations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like they didn't believe that when they were making the remake. It's like, nah, people don't want to use their imaginations. <laughs> just show them everything. Yeah. And people don't want to think when they're watching something. So let's just explain it to them entirely. Like, I think her naming, randomly naming the dog Narek is more scary than her waking up in the middle of the night screaming Narek. Like, that to me is more sort of chilling. Of like, why did she name this dog this weird name? Like, out of, like, this, does this, does this have control over it? Like, it's just easier to believe that someone could have a nightmare where they wake up screaming than, like, just something totally random to me is more scary and uh so i don't know the uh i thought they did this scene with the drowning pretty well uh they it, it, it i thought it was filmed well i thought that it uh was 
uh, you really felt like she was she was drowning. <laughs> they did a good job, and you really felt like she was she was drowning her. Like there wasn't as much sort of uh, I don't know. I thought that scene was pretty well done and pretty similar to the original. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, all those elements. But then the ending is is less satisfying because it's just a it's a monster movie, and they're just fighting this monster basically is what it comes down to. And, and it didn't feel like, what did you think about this reveal of the bells? Um, I don't know. It was like, they almost tried to manufacture some kind of mystery at the end. Cause they talked about like, what is this peeling you're talking about? Like, when did they talk about a peeling over the course of that movie? I didn't even, I didn't even remember that. So they didn't really sell it very well yeah. <laughs> to start with. Like, it's not memorable whenever they did talk about it earlier in the movie. But then it's like, I don't know. It's kind of a stretch. <laughs> you know, when you figure out what it is, it's like one guy just suddenly <laughs> figures out what it is. It's like, there's no thought process behind it. as you can see. Yeah. You know? And it's a little hard to believe that like nobody over all these years could have sort of figured this out or put the clues together. <laughs> <laughs> But like our our, our uh, young man is able to sort of piece it together, and oh, we've got to play these bells because this uh, this monster is, is that's gonna do the ticket. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know, just the original is is just more scary. It's more um, like so there's just more mystery. There's more sort of like what does this alien want? What about this? And I also like the fact that the original they have chosen to participate basically in this ritual. You know, they've had agency or a monster movie doesn't have agency. Obviously it's just the monster like killing people. And so that makes Karen a more interesting character. It makes the other characters that they interview more interesting because they're like hiding this ritual that they participated in the seance. And, uh, um, and it's funny because this one actively tries to sort of bring religion into the story and like I said, with the crosses and with some of the other things. And, uh, and yet, I think the other one, the original, sort of addresses religion in more interesting ways. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a dream. But I, in the end, I kind of felt like this, like I said, I felt like this was fine. Like if you wanted to watch a harmless horror movie with your family, you could watch this and it would be fine. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's 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 very generic, uh, and it's it'll not be remembered. And uh, <laughs> it's like what Jeremy John says, "I'll forget this in T minus one day." I feel like that's <laughs> true with this. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, in in a way, it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity because I really think there was the potential to make a, to make this a great movie if you did it in say the style of. I don't know. I haven't even seen the Conjuring movies, but just from what I can tell, that sort of style, I think that there's potential in this story that it could have actually been a really great remake. Um, and this is just basically on the same level as the original, except for it has better acting. But then like the, it, like the, it's basically, I would give it the same grade of the original as I'd give it like a six, just barely, in my opinion, barely uh, smile worthy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, like a C plus kind of a thing I'd give it. Cause I think it, it is, the acting is better than the story is weaker. 
than yeah. the original. I don't know what. What do you have closing thoughts about this one? <laughs> That's, well, let me see. It's going to be kind of closing thoughts mixed with something else, I guess. I guess yeah. it's all closing thoughts, but um, I kind of feel like this almost has the opposite problem that the movie had. Like everything the movie did well, yeah, this kind of messed Agreed. up, and everything that the movie messed up, this kind of did well <laughs> in a way. It's yeah. like, like especially with the acting in the story, like the acting was bad in the original, but at least the things that they said, like the lines they were given actually sounded like they came from somebody, <laughs> you know, like something that somebody would actually say. Right. Whereas in the remake, they said their lines well, but they weren't really, I don't know, I've never really bought into a lot of the, what the parents and, the, and Ellie were doing. Yeah. Like the parents say, ask Jan, why are you scaring Ellie about 50 million times? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we should have that. Special. <laughs> they're so these parents are the worst like they like <laughs> there's like major harm happening to their daughters and they're just like why are you being so troublesome like why are you being this way and so that kind of distracted me <laughs> in a way that's and then, true and then ellie is just she's kind of annoying during the first part of the special you know yeah. she's constantly trying to get jan in trouble <laughs> like with everything that she that's said, true. It's always like taking a jab at her. Well, and and like I said, because it's it, she doesn't name the dog Narek, and she doesn't. I don't know. There's just like less sort of signs of this force, I guess, that's controlling her uh, that you get in the original film. You know, there's just sort of less randomness, and I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She is sort of more annoying <laughs> than in the original. <laughs> And then, like, even the three, the three guys, oh, not the three guys, the two guys and the lady who were there when she vanished. Yeah. Even they seem more real than the original that they did in the, in the remake. Like, I could buy, like, somebody, like, like, if you saw something like that in real life, you probably wouldn't want to revisit it with everybody who asked about it, you know. You'd probably try to keep it a secret, you know. But then, but then in this in the remake, they like tried to keep it a secret for like one scene <laughs> or like half a scene. And then they're yeah. like all, all willing to talk about it all of a sudden. Well, and the one character goes from being a hermit to being like a, like a real estate <laughs> developer or whatever that they interviewed for like five seconds. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Keller, one of the guys who's, who's in the remake, one of those guys that was there when she vanished. Yeah. He is the boyfriend from the original Oh really? I, I found out. Yeah, oh, watching one of those panels. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a cool Easter egg. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that but, is true. Like her parents are are kind of the worst, and like <laughs> they just don't create as much of a sense of mystery or uh, like like the original does. Yeah. So I agree. So, uh, like, yeah, maybe I was like too said, nice for of, the six. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I would probably, I might give this one a six just because it, I don't know, I won't. I'll give it a five. I guess the other one a 5.5. It's like, it does some things better, but then it makes mistakes that the the original didn't make. Yeah. So it's like, it balances out (laughs) in the end. Yeah, I'm going to give it like a 5.5. I think, I think it's watchable, but I do think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. So... Oh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. 
Go watch Something Wicked This Way Comes instead if yes. you want a really good Disney horror movie. So much better than both of these versions of this film. Or Stranger Things. Watch that. That's yeah. better. Uh, but yeah, Something Wicked This Way Comes, I actually think is like a hidden masterpiece. And I know people throw that word around a lot, but I really do love it that much. I think it was amazing. And uh, so, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, this weird, random little Disney movie that we talk about <laughs> lifetime <laughs> and uh, lifetime's really gone off the rails i mean they used to be like similar to hallmark and it is not at all anymore like i think the the uh, the ads during this were worse than there's <laughs> like oh my gosh like there's like a, a movie about the flint michigan uh water problem there's a movie coming up about elizabeth smart robert durst and then uh <laughs> i can't even remember anymore it's like Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's funny. Lifetime movies. I think I feel like they they had a reputation before as being like these really good, like very special episode kind of kind of movies, and now they yeah. kind of have this reputation of being like these really trashy true crime. Kind yeah, of thing. or like the unauthorized true story of Full House or something. You're just like, <laughs> boy, they're just they are the bottom bottom of the barrel. And I mean, in 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 comparison to other lifetime movies this thing is like way better <laughs> i'm like most of that nonsense that they're putting out yeah uh, <laughs> it was it was funny i was watching another horror movie recently called the stepfather which has nothing to do with watcher in the woods in any way almost <laughs> i just thought i was watching it at the same time and somebody said in the comments because it was on youtube because that was the only way i could find it unfortunately uh -huh. like whoa, I've never seen this Lifetime movie before. <laughs> because it was about this father who wants a perfect family and he goes from family to family and when they don't satisfy him, he kills them and moves on to another one. And, it, and, it was like, this really, and I was like, this really does feel like a Lifetime movie <laughs> in that way. This is like the story-wise. Like the acting is better. It has Terry O'Quinn from Lost as like the as like the stepfather. Oh yeah. So he was good, but still, it was like this really does feel like a typical Lifetime movie. And that's one good thing about the Watcher in the Woods remake is not. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is like I said, way better than most of the other Lifetime movies, and uh, so at least uh, they got that. So that's good. But anyway, so yeah, that's kind of the. Uh, we're kind of met, I think, on kind of on both of these, to be honest, it sounds like. Uh, but if, you, if you're looking, if, there's not a ton of horror movies that are family, or I don't know, would you call, I never know whether something's a horror movie or thriller. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, if you want to watch this kind of movie and you want to introduce your kids to the genre, you could do worse than either of these versions. <laughs> yes. That's kind of my my thought about both of them. So, uh, or, so yeah. Actually, there's and this is kind of more also off the rails along with something wicked <laughs> mentioned. But there's also a really good movie that Disney made under the Touchstone label. I was just talking about with somebody called Arachnophobia, which is about poisonous spiders. Oh, okay. It's also I didn't a know horror that movie Disney. that's really good for kids, and it's also a Disney movie. Which also happens to be a little Ooh. bit scary. So. I'll, have to, I'll have to do that next year for a Disney Scares yeah. Month. <laughs> next, so tomorrow we'll be having my review of Halloween Town uh, for Disney Scares Month. And uh, so you want to check into that. Uh, you'll enjoy that, I think. 
And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of our thoughts on Watchers in the Woods. Let us know in the comment section what you think of these films. Uh, and, um, yeah, or maybe what are some fam more family-friendly uh, horror movies that you'd like to watch with your family around Halloween. And so, hope you have a very happy Halloween. And uh, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. And so, where can people find you? Um, so I write for Roto can't talk rotoscopers.com um, we're kind of doing a Halloween countdown that didn't really come together entirely unfortunately but we have some Halloween articles <laughs> there that you can read and um, I also write on my own at my own blog called the vintage vestibule.wordpress.com <laughs> awesome great well thanks again and you can find me at spelling LDS girl on all social media and Rachel's reviews here on YouTube and on iTunes. You want to check that out and please subscribe and like and have all that fun stuff. And my, uh, and my blog is 54 Disney reviews. And like I said, I'll have a link down to all of that in the description section. So thanks so much. And uh, we will uh, talk to you all later.